episode 91 of the Avatar Hour podcast, your ultimate companion podcast to the world in fandom of Avatar. I'm Andre. And I'm Kayla. And today we are continuing our recap of FCE's The Dawn of Yang Chen with chapters 5 through 8. In this episode, you can obviously expect some full spoilers for Avatar The Last Airbender, The Legend of Korra, as well as potential spoilers for both Kiyoshi novels. Before we get into that discussion though, Kayla, how's it going? How was your week since we last recorded? I don't know. I sorry I don't Uh have words for this week right now Uh like it's not that a lot's happened so to speak but there's just been a lot of emotions this week so like I'm doing better now I actually uh just had a appointment with my psychiatrist uh to up my dosage for my meds uh kind of was living in denial for a few months of how my depression was getting so Mm -hmm. I got some more got some more drugs or a higher dosage of drugs now so hopefully that'll help uh but yeah mental health wise it hasn't been great this past week but oh, I'm sorry it's getting better that. now i mean it's it, it's i mean thank you i appreciate that but it is getting a little better and you know i just canceled a plan that was kind of stressing me out so that's done and i get to do something i enjoy next weekend which is performing rocky horror so i'm very excited about that yeah so you know i will i will get better and you know I think upping my dosage is definitely going to help. And I start therapy next month again. So, Yay for medication and therapy. We love that for you. Absolutely, man. Yeah, I forgot. Like, you know, I thought I was doing well for a while and turns out I really wasn't. So I'm kind of glad that I've kind of come around and realized, yeah, I need a little more help. So uh, as much as I didn't want to go with my medication, Mm -hmm. uh, I just want to tell anyone out there who may be on medication and maybe you know, struggling more than what the meds are supposed to do for you. Um, mm. There's, you know, um, there shouldn't be shame in upping your dosage. Uh, there's no shame in even getting on medicine or shouldn't be shame around getting meds. Uh, yeah. But, you know, I just figured I'd put it out there because I felt kind of like, like, I don't know if it's a shame is the right word, but I definitely was very frustrated with myself for not like getting better on the, you know, X amount of dosage I was on. Uh, so, you know, do what you need to, to make sure that your, your mind and body, um, continue to work well. And it's obviously improved my quality of life, but now I just need a little extra help and there's, you know, there shouldn't be shame in that. So just want to just in case anyone out there in our, you know, listener, base uh who might be struggling with this yeah absolutely yeah but uh you know other than that i'm doing i'm I'm doing i I will do better i will feel better soon um but i'm happy to be here you know and talking about this stuff i could definitely use the distraction um but how about you how are you doing i know you've been busy i'm doing pretty good um i don't know about you kayla but i i feel a a subtle whisper of autumn coming oh in. yes i don't yes. know about you but i've been feeling it for the past couple of days and if you've been listening to the avatar hour podcast you know how we feel about fall and halloween and christmas so yes. we are entering uh we are exiting the flop era of this summer which i don't know <laughs> i don't know if you've also had like a pretty like bummer summer but i've been kind of feeling that i didn't really do anything i mean i had pippin but that was literally my entire summer um but i didn't do any like summery activities or anything uh you know? i say bummer because my mental health got worse but <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah but in the sense of like 
you know, doing summery things. I didn't really do a lot of summery things either. There's a lot of big changes going on this summer. And honestly, this whole summer feels like it's been its own year for me, at least. Uh, yeah. I don't know about everybody else, but it just feels like it has dragged on. I, don't get me wrong. I will enjoy the warm weather and I'm sure I'll be bitching about cold weather in just a few months anyway. Mm-hmm. Just you wait. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like this summer just feels like it's gotten gone on pretty damn long. I'm like, damn, it's still summer. It's still, it's still August. Like it's only August. Like yeah. it's weird. Uh, but I will say though, this has been a very good, a, a good in some ways summer for me. My mental health is just its own thing. But like, you know, I, this is where, you know, I finally joined my Rocky Horror cast. I, you know, I mean, by joined, I mean, I finally got to be more involved because I moved closer. So like, that's been a really positive impact on my life. I started a new job. So like, there's some definitely been some like good things, but my brain meanwhile has been like, yeah, but what if you didn't feel good about the good things in your life? Like, what if you just like, (laughs) didn't have any energy to do anything Uh and like, you know, didn't like, you know, do things to make you feel better. What if you just like, I don't know, just drift in this weird ether of your own head. How's that? (laughs) That's that's literally that's that's how my brain's been working. So let's hope Zoloft does its fucking job. <laughs> yeah, I I agree. I think the summer's been been pretty long. Um, I think that also kind of has to do with the weather because it gets hotter and hotter earlier and earlier each year. Um, mm, yeah. Actually, I did last night. I actually went to go see um, RuPaul's Drag Race: War on the Catwalk. Oh, at how was the that? theater here it was really really fun um it was it was hosted by brooklyn heights who i believe nice. you did like a meet and greet didn't you meet her at some point i have not met brooklyn heights no who am i thinking of uh which drag queens I've... have you met so many um but <laughs> uh i've met sasha Valor. i have met Maybe cameron michaels i've met a lot of people from dragula i'm trying to think of who i've met from drag race uh I've met Manila Luzon. I've met... You met Manila Luzon? Oh, I love her. Yeah. She was at Vice for Rainbow Party in, like, I think 2019. So I got to She was at there. Vice? Wow. Yeah. Yeah, she was. Uh, oh, God. Who else have I met? Uh, Jinx Monsoon. I've met her virtually. Oh, wow. Yeah. I do remember that. that. I remember that. Yeah. That was... that was She was really... She was really nice. And she had a fantastic show. Virtual shows, you know... February 2021 when like you know things weren't quite back to normal just yet or uh-huh. normal with air quotes but yeah that was a lot of fun so I was especially happy to see um you know spoilers for all-star seven I guess if you haven't watched it but you know just it was it was, it was very vindicating to see her win <laughs> yeah yeah with everything going on with like Pippin and everything the season was kind of ending around like the most busiest time so I wasn't able to watch it with because me Chris and Sophia were watching it like every week as it came out we were so excited uh i started to get a little bit annoyed each episode because of the like like almost the gaslighting level of only positive feedback on all of the looks on the runway even when they were bad um i'll never get over that but uh (laughs) but then we we just stopped watching like three to four episodes to the finale and then the finale happened and i got the way i got spoiled for it was i saw jinx had posted like a video of her and ben de la creme watching the episode i was like well i now i know who wins (laughs) but i mean she was my she was my front runner from the get-go i love jinx so much i watched 
season five for the first time right before All Star Seven started, and even before then, I like loved her. She, I, she was like one of my favorites. But after that season, I was like number one favorite of all time. I love her. Um, She's absolutely fantastic. But yeah, we're on the catwalk. That was, it was super fun. It was hosted by Brooklyn Heights. Yeah, who um, it? Oh, let's see. Um, Heidi in closet. Um, the Vivian was there. She was great. Um, Kita Mean, who won Drag Race Down Under season one, I think, or season two. Um, uh, I want to say season one because I think they're on season two right now. Okay, yeah, season one. Okay, there's so many different Drag Race fan tries in there right now. So um, <laughs> did you ever watch Canada's Drag Race or UK versus the World? Um, I mean, I honestly everything I know about Drag Race nowadays is absorbed through Twitter, so through I Twitter. should know. I saw I, it's um, osmosis. I saw Jimbo who did that. Um, I love you know that, Jimbo. You know that weird I, like baloney act thing with the, the she had she got the big at the tiggle bitties. Yeah, the, I know mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. And the white latex suit that get, that gives me nightmares. I hate it. Um, uh, but she was like throwing like baloney into the audience and like. It was oh, it was crazy. I love that. That's gross. Who else was there? Crystal Versace was there. Um, uh, Cornbread was there. I think that might be it. Am I missing anybody? <laughs> Chris is here. Am Hi, I Chris. Anybody? We were supposed to see Kylie Sonique Love and Crystal Method. Um, but I think they, they dropped out of the tour early or like had like some schedule conflicts or something. So that was a bit of a bummer, but we did get a signed poster for Kylie. So, um, that's awesome. Yeah. That was really fun. It was, I, we went to see the, the British invasion drag race thing back in May in DC and like, that was good. We mainly, we mainly went because lemon and bag of chips was there and lemon was ultimately a no show, unfortunately. Uh, huh? And Penjani Hills is supposed to be there. She wasn't there, but Penjani Hills is going to be in Pittsburgh this weekend. Oh, she is. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Uh, I'm not going. I have something else going on that night, but <laughs> yeah, you never know with those shows. You never know. Yeah, but it was yeah. it was really something. If and they were, I mean, it was pretty just pretty cheap tickets. So I mean, like you know, if you're a fan of Drag Race and you want to see some of these queens perform in person, it's it's just a fun time. So I would definitely go and see it. I also highly recommend, you know, in addition to, you know, go go to the drag race shows, have fun, go to the Dragula shows, have fun. But also, I highly recommend supporting your local drag scene because, you know, yes. they deserve your love every bit as much as the drag race queens do. We um, went we went to a, a Stranger Things themed drag show oh, in so Norfolk cool. here. Yeah, that but was fun too. I was going to try to do that too, I think, um, potentially. That was an idea that was tossed around. Uh, but I know that Vice is doing a Tim Burton night in October. I love that. If I was still in Morgantown, I would absolutely go. It's so much. It's, I'm very excited to because, like, but you know, with my connections and Vice and like that, I've just been hearing about they're trying to do more themed nights and trying to get more in with like, mm-hmm. you know, what's popular in pop culture and make shows out of it. I think that's a, such a smart idea. Yeah. Um, Shut that. You know, a little sooner, but you know, <laughs> that's that's my two cents. Uh, but yeah, go support your local drag shows. There's definitely, you know, there's obviously the brunches if you don't want to stay out super late. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, support your local drag artists because drag is fucking expensive, and you know, yeah, uh, yeah, and you know, just support your local scenes because you know, I mean, every drag race queen started out as a local at some point, so you know, support your scene. Love that. And there's, I'll get off my soapbox for a second. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, we don't have any Avatar-related news, but I would like to share um, something cool that personally happened to me 
this past nice. week. Um, and patrons already know about it because I gave them the scoop a couple days ago. Um, so for those who don't know, I edit podcasts for a living. Um, that is what I do to survive in this capitalistic hellscape. Um, and granted, it's like it's a great job. It's it's my favorite thing to do, um, and I'm lucky to do it. And I recently signed on with a client who um, interviews people um, and just kind of interviews them about what they do, about certain topics. Um, and he usually gets like some pretty like um, just like really charismatic people. It's really cool. I'm re- really glad to be working with them. Um, but they, I so I you know getting ready to edit this new episode they just sent me um and i get i get three tracks and it's like um michael chris and jack i was like cool work so i put them in and then the host is like today we're joined by chris and jack and it turns out the jack that he was talking about was none other than jack DeSena, who was the voice actor for Sokka. and as it was on the (laughs) He did pronounce it Soka. I I do, you I had, know, R.I.P. But I had Vietnam. I had like Vietnam South flashbacks too, you know. <laughs> but the movie that shall not be named. <laughs> but I was like, no fucking way. And then he started talking. I'm like, oh my god, that's Sokka. So I got to listen to him for an hour and a half as I edited that podcast, and I learned so much about him. Like I didn't know that he like went to college for like improv comedy and like did all these cool things um it's really really like cool um so if you want to actually go and listen to that podcast the the name of the podcast is called where we go next and the episode that i edited is episode 59 and it was just released um as as of this recording um so if you're interested in listening to that episode definitely go and check it out but it was really cool It it was like i never expected to like for any of that anything like that to happen so it was just cool to like say like i got to edit a podcast where jack jacenta was the guest so that's so cool yeah it was really really fucking cool wow. okay enough bragging it's time to go into our main discussion here um so we're going to be looking at chapters five through eight um and just quick disclaimer here chapter five is literally three pages um i don't know what the deal with that is um i felt like it could just like scooch into the next chapter um, but I think I have my theories as to why it was only three pages, but it's mainly like kind of like acting as the setup for Yang Chen's dramatic entrance. We do have a small character revelation here, and I believe this is why it was kind of its own chapter because I don't I think it would have um, been kind of lost. lost. Yeah, kind of, yeah, definitely. Um, there's a small character revelation here that Kavik seems to be in this line of business this being, being like an informant. Because he's looking for information on his missing older brother, Kalyan. Um, and so this is like kind of like his main motivation. This is like why he's doing what he does. Because I know like at the end of last week's episode, we were like, oh, he actually has a family. And he seems to be like, okay, like kind of well off. So like, why is he in this line of business? And just apparently just like mentioning his brother like really upsets his parents. And they just kind of want to forget about not him, but just kind of like whatever happened there. Um, so there's a big question mark as to what's going on there. And I'm interested to learn more about it. Um, 
but there's not much else that goes on in that chapter. Um, it's basically kind of like that revelation. And then this argument is quickly interrupted by Yang Chen's entrance, um, which leads us right into chapter six, The Visitor. Yang Chen's appearance shocks both Kavik and his parents for different reasons. Um, his parents are just like completely groveling at her feet. Yang Chen tries to like kind of downplay all the formalities and she tells them to pretend that she's just another air nomad paying a visit for alms. Um, and this is a cool little bit of world building here that we learn that the air nomads, as they travel around the world, they visit um, homes asking for supplies, provisions, food, that sort of thing. And it's known um, to be a blessing for an air nomad to visit your home uh, because of their like massive spiritual ties to the spirit world. Um, so that was a cool little nugget of information. I really enjoyed that. Um, so Yang Chen joins them at the dinner table. And I kind of love this whole thing because it's described as one big game of pie show between her and Kave because they're playing this game of strategy and using each other's lines to or using each other's lies, excuse me, to explain how they know of each other. Um, Yang Chen tells his parents that Kavik prevented somebody from stealing from her. And he kind of dovetails that with this story that he intercepted a robbery. Someone was running by holding a satchel. He kind of hit the satchel out of his hand and returned it. Um, and he didn't know it was the avatars. And Yang Chen was like, yeah, this, this had important information on it, you know. Um, and he did a great service to the world by saving this imaginary satchel. And it's almost kind of like, I'm not going to say surprising, but... It's unexpected um, how lying comes pretty naturally to Yang Chen, um, and I'm. It's it. They're like they're, they're like white lies, you know. They're not anything like that consequential, um, but I enjoy that she is like very much, um, uh, you know, on her feet on on these kinds of things as an airbender should be. Yeah, exactly. I was gonna say. Um, Yang Chen then mentions she's in Bin Air on Avatar Business, and in order to best serve her people, she needs to know more about them. So she's kind of like asking Kavik's parents like where they come from, and we learn that um, they are from the Northern Water Tribe, and they actually left there in search of better prospects. Um, and they mentioned that they want to return eventually, but the city is so corrupt that they're unable to gain passage back to the North. Um, and Yang Chen says that this is the kind of thing she's trying to address, that she wants to change how the vulnerable are treated, which tracks with what we know about Yang Chen. And then Yang Chen and Kave go to his room to discuss things in private, and um, she kind of notes how there's literally like nothing on the walls, just a bed. She said, like, you would make a great air nomad uh, at the temples. And she reveals that she's concluded that since everyone in Benair is in someone else's pocket, Kavik is now in hers. And that's kind of where the chapter ends. So, uh, yeah, things are starting to move pretty quickly. I'm, uh, I was surprised at this point that, I'll, like, at this point, all of the chapters or most of the chapters have been from Kavik's point of view, um, which I was not expecting. Um, since I guess because the Kiyoshi novels were largely from Kiyoshi's point of view, and we're kind of taking it and occasionally dipping to like Jinju's perspective. And yeah, and and like Yun's and um, so. But I think I think it's an interesting choice to, you know, kind of like learn about Yang Chen from this other perspective um, rather than being like kind of inside her head. I know we get her point of view eventually. Um, but yeah, that was I just wanted to note that that was something I did not expect, but I think works really well, actually. So um, but yeah. 
those are my chapters. So we're going to take a quick break and we'll, we will be back with chapter seven and chapter eight of the Donnie Yang Chen. Stay tuned. Hey everyone, Kayla here. Before we get into the second half of the episode, we just wanted to remind everyone to check and make sure you're following the Avatar Hour podcast on your favorite podcast platform of choice. And if that platform has a rating system, please consider it leaving us a review and maybe some feedback. With subscribers and reviews, it allows us to reach future listeners and to help the podcast grow in the long run. Thanks for listening. And now back to the show. And we're back with more chapters of The Dawn of Yang Chen. So things start kind of picking up a little bit more in these two chapters. I have noticed these are definitely a lot shorter chapters than I was expecting. Um, but also this is a shorter book. So I'm expecting a chapter to be like 29 pages like that yeah. one chapter in, in uh, Rise of Kiyoshi was. Well, Kiyoshi was like this. Rise of Kiyoshi was like this big. Yeah. And like this is probably around the same size as Shadow of Kiyoshi. I got to hold it up and compare them sometime. Anyway. So dropping back in chapter seven, the proposition, Yang Chen essentially begins her recruitment pitch. Essentially, she explains that she is not getting the whole picture on what's going on in the world from her advisors, that some information on how her decisions get leaked, and essentially she has lost trust in them. Uh, and so this leaves a line from the book where she says, while in the open, I adhere to, to tradition, I attend the meetings, I perform the ceremonies, but she does have some of her own people hidden in her sleeve that she trusts with information. So she's kind of spying right back almost, you know, like. Yeah, I I find it funny that these people think they can like spy on the Avatar and she won't know. Do you know what I mean? Like she yeah. literally has uh, like the spirit world could be watching you the whole time and she could just like you know pow out with them and see what's going on girl you will not believe what i know (laughs) i'm just imagining like uh, but instead she spies right back which i think i mean is really interesting i mean but also true true airbender form doesn't attack the thing directly just kind of like finds a way to to go about it go around yeah Yeah. i I don't know i'm just like you go girl you get it uh so yeah so with this both you know as like how are you pronouncing his name i keep forgetting kavik kavik okay so with this information with, with this both kavik and the audience noticed that yang chen exists as two different people mm-hmm. he even says that she would pass for a native of bin air with how she talks about you know information like a transaction and things like that um yang chen wants him on her side because he's from a well it's relatively well-off family so debt or money isn't really an issue for him and probably wouldn't switch sides because of money um and he's a two under the radar to be noticeable but skilled enough to be useful so then Kavik then tries to turn her down but then she turns the situation back into her favor by reminding him that he owes her after getting away with stealing from the avatar so she's not even sh- she's not really like shaken by this accusation of blackmail she's like she kind of goes around she's like well i don't really see it as blackmail it's you know mm-hmm. Like think of it, think of it as doing exactly what you're doing now. Only I'm your broker. So this, it's interesting because in this chapter, I was starting to think about the differences and similarities between Yang Chen and Aang and how they would deal with this. And Yang Chen seems to be like a chameleon of sorts, like of how yeah. Kavik describes how she could pass for a native of this city with just the way that she talks. Um, and the way she's kind of like, well, that's not how I see it. Um, re- kind of reminds me of how Aang, uh, dealt with like the great divide situation. Um, and like basically flat out lying to everybody just to like solve a conflict. <laughs> so yeah. it's like interesting to kind of like, um, 
compare and contrast how they're um, and I know Yang Chen at this point is a couple years older than Aang, um, but uh, Cora was definitely kind of the opposite of a chameleon. Like she was just, I am who I am, and I cannot change <laughs> no matter where I am. Yeah. So, <laughs> so it's it's interesting. I think maybe maybe an after hour we could do um, more of a discussion talking about the differences and similarities between Yang Chen and Aang once we get more into the book. I think that could be cool. Yeah, we'll put a pin in that. Um, so Yang Chen then leaves the room and tells his parents that he's been selected for a chance to become an official companion of the Avatar, much to his pa- his his parents' absolute joy and his disappointment mm-hmm. and frustration. Yeah, because he initially uh, turns her offer down. Yeah, because yeah. he says, like, no, no thanks. And then she's like, okay, walks off. Hey, by the way, your kid's coming with me. <laughs> like, It's so sneaky. And also, like, I mean, like, there's the line in the book where it's like, you know, companions of the Avatar, like, you know, lived like glorious lives or something. And, you know, obviously being in favor with the Avatar, like, mm-hmm. you know, clearly it has influence. I mean, we see that with some other advisors of the Avatar, you know, going down the line, even with like Jinju, for instance, you know. Yeah. Um. So now it seems that she's got him in two different kinds of binds here that like she could turn him in. Uh, or you know, she could turn him in, and if he, she turns, and also if he turns her down, da- turns her down, his parents will probably kill him. <laughs> so, yeah. like two different, like she's got him locked under for two different reasons. And then he's just like, "Oh, I hate you." And then she's like, "I'll let you sleep on it." Just like a little snide, little like I don't know. If it's that, I don't know if it's really snide, so to speak, but it just made me snort when I read that. Like, just yeah, yeah, I love it. I love it. It was just funny. Um, and that ends chapter seven and uh, let's move on to chapter eight, which I think is the first uh, chapter that's directly from Yang Chen's perspective, I believe so far. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So we switch back to we switch to Yang Chen's perspective. We haven't even switched back. We're just now we're seeing things from Yang Chen's perspective mm-hmm. when she notices that she's woken up as herself. Which makes me wonder, like, how long these flashbacks happen to her for her to, like, literally wake up in another life, you know? Yeah, I don't know. It seems at this point that they're much less infrequent, but that they can still happen. Yeah. That's kind of the impression I got. The impression I'm getting is that, like, they maybe not as, like, they don't happen as often, but when they do, they're intense and Mm -hmm. maybe they last longer. Yeah. Um, That's what I'm getting, but we'll learn more, obviously. Uh, but we also learned some more about her and the fact that she has her own mental exercises that she's been doing since she was young to keep her kind of tethered to the present and the world that she's in now. And clearly there's some days that are harder than others, which kind of reminds me a little bit of like, you know, it makes me think of people who like have chronic conditions, whether it's like a mental illness or, you know, for those who live with like chronic pain, for instance, you know, it's kind of a thing that flares up and, I don't know. That's I have me thinking about that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, she also does mention in the chapter that she does have her own winged lemurs, uh, pick and pock, which is super cute. <laughs> I, I, you know, we love the little creatures on Avatar. And then we find out that the paper that uh, Kavik was trying to steal was an architectural plan of the Bin Air Gathering Hall. It's basically mm. where she's going today, I think. Um, she's on her way to go meet the Shangs and she's strategizing just in case things get violent. Uh, she like, then she says that like, she's like, this is a good line from the book where it's like a good general studied the terrain, whether uh, a battle was on the horizon or not. A sailor watched the skies even when they were clear. And Yang Chen had been both of those at some point. Mm. 
So that's an arrow to... line. Sounds like something I yeah, would say. Right. Yeah. She's had to fight and she's had to, you know, prepare. And clearly, it's not the first time she's had to do this. So yeah, she's on her way to meet the Shangs and strategizing just in case things get violent. And as the chapter moves on, we learn that she enjoys messing with Sadao, who's all about etiquette. He's one of her advisors who she doesn't trust. Uh, you know, she does live to mess with him. She trains her bison to trot and make him not want to accompany her when she's traveling on the ground. When she tries to, when like when he, whenever he tries to hurry them, she's like just quotes these bullshit proverbs and stuff like that just to drive him nuts. Maybe they're not entirely bullshit, but you know she she pulls the like she plays the role of the lofty you know sage air nomad avatar and also just very mischievous. I love oh, I love that. I yeah I love that MC has like imbued her with this mischievousness, but it's like. You know, it's benign kind of brand of it, but definitely Absolutely. like I mean, an airbender brand for sure. Absolutely. I'm just going to say it's definitely with an airbender culture. And I love that. Um, and, you know, so she then tells like, Sadao, like, oh, well, if we're running late, then you should just go ahead and, run, you know, tell the Shangs that. And then she thinks to herself, like, I know you're on their payroll. Show me who your true masters are, bitch. You know, <laughs> like that's essentially she's just, you know. Basically kind of testing him almost. Like, yeah, who do you really serve, buddy? Uh meanwhile, if he- this is if this was Cora, she would have already like put this man's head in like Naga's jaw or something and like try to get information. Yeah. I just I, <laughs> I love how she like handles that. She's just like, you can stay with me. But I I think her thinking is I uh, whether you know you're spying on me or not, it's safer to have you like near me, I guess. So I know yeah. what you're actually up to. Yeah, exactly. Um, and he runs off, leaving her and Master Boma, who's her friend, uh, riding on the streets through on her bison. The crowd's just starting to get tighter around the bison and tension's starting to build until someone attempts to throw rotten papaya at her. She's amused by this, you know, stops it with a little bit of airbending mm-hmm. until someone hurls a jug at Boma's head. And clearly he means a lot to her because then she just flies into a rage. You know, she yells at the crowd that she's there to help them. Um, you know, her bison slams his tail down, scat, you know, makes some people scatter in fear. Um, and then she scans the crowd and she finds the person who threw the jug at her friend, a bitter old man who looks at the avatar with contempt. So this is like a really good portion from the chapter that I want to just read here. As soon as she followed Sadao's path, rounded the corner and disappeared from sight, these onlookers would return to their lives with no better off than before, unless she could do something for them. Even the most fervent believers in the Avatar would realize that she was a brief breeze on a scorched day, pleasant for a moment, then ultimately meaningless. Some would turn to sorrow, others anger. The man who struck Boma was simply further along the journey than most. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. I think, I guess, if you're in that situation, you don't have a whole lot of hope that the Avatar can, like, fix your kind of day-to-day life when they're dealing with such, like, you know, high level world crises. Cause I can imagine being like, well, how could they make anything better? They're dealing with all these like big international things. And I am but a humble farmer who's getting like gutted by their government. Um, Sounds familiar. Um, Mm. Anyway, I'm but Mm -hmm. a humble podcaster. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But I think, I think that's ultimately what that passage is saying. You know, they're kind of like, they crave her presence, but they know ultimately it might not, it probably will not change a lot. Yeah. 
She then throws the fruit above the attacker's head and continues on her path. Uh, And that kind of ends the chapter. There is one more observation she makes before the chapter ends. Uh, She says that, like, you know, know, they're kind of thinking, like, oh, that probably wasn't the smartest thing for me to do is throw fruit at someone, back at someone. But, you know, she she refers to it as, like, you know, holes in the painting of her Mm. to kind of let some of the light through it. So, yeah, she's dealing with the shell that, like, maybe she's built or maybe others have built for her. Yeah. And, you know, uh, for a lot of the different Avatar stories we've read, it's been about them building that reputation. This is kind of, like, different because it's more of an – it feels like more of an established Avatar that kind of has her reputation kind of filled out a bit more. Yeah. If that sounds about right to you. No, so, no, absolutely. I thought that was interesting. I'm interested to see how these heated floors are going to come into play. Yeah, exactly. Because I was going to make an observation, about that, but I'm like, oh, it seems important. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, she won the observation she makes on the map as like, oh, they have heated floors just like the place I'm staying at. Hmm, that might be a secret tool that will help us later. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm interested how this uh, meeting with the Shangs is going to go. Um, yeah, especially with like some Chekhov's gun thing going on here. A exactly. Little bit. Chekhov's heated floor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that. So let's pivot into Fandom Corner, which I actually I was surprised I found something that would relate to this week's because. Uh, you know, that relates to Yang Chen because mm-hmm. this book is so new. There hasn't been enough time for like discourse and fan art and things like that to come out. So I am uh, very excited that I found this after after a very brief perusal of Tumblr because that's where we get all our shit from for Fandom Corner. And of course, listeners uh, that, you know, Tumblr is where the good stuff is. Just saying. <laughs> all right. So this week we got a post from Kiyoshi Lesbians on Tumblr, excellent username. Yeah. Uh, so Kiyoshi Lesbians writes, thinking about the structure of the Yang Chen novels as a prequel to a prequel. Atla established the legacy of Kiyoshi as a decisive avatar who harnessed all inspiring feats of bending, and Yang Chen's legacy as a wise peacekeeper who was able to put her role as an avatar about the values she was raised with. But then the Kiyoshi novels show the cracks in Yang Chen's legacy. Yang Chen kept peace during her lifetime at the expense of the generations after her at the expense of her own next life. With the rise of Kiyoshi, the reader goes in with only the lens of history seen on the show. But with the dawn of Yang Chen, we understand the legacy that the world sees and the legacy that was buried. Mm, Yeah. And so people shouldn't have everything they want. No one is entitled to their every desire, Yang Chen tells Kiyoshi at the end of Shadow of Kiyoshi. Yang Chen's greatest mistake was trusting people to uphold their deals with the spirits, trusting that people would be wise and understanding as she was. Yang Chen didn't see that some weren't until it was too late. Where the Kiyoshi novels had a clear undercurrent of humorous, dramatic irony, the young, unsure Kiyoshi doesn't know that she will become one of the most respected avatars in history. Yeah. And the Yang Chen novels will have a tinge of tragic irony to them. Peace had a price paid by the generations after her. Mm, yes, that is so good. I love that. I love that. That is delicious. <laughs> I, and I didn't even consider that. I mean, she's right. We are... With the Kiyoshi novel, we were reading through the lens of what we learned about her in the show. With this, we're learning about Ying Chen through the lens of what we know about her from the show, as well as what we learned in the Kiyoshi novels. So we've got these two different, very uh, almost like conflicting lenses to view this character. Um, but it's it's so it's so interesting, um, just getting to know more about her. And I don't think this book 
or the next book, I believe if there's a next book. I think that may or may or may not be confirmed. I don't know if those books will deal with um these spirits that she kind of had to make deals with that Kurik would end up having to deal with later on. Um, Because I'm starting to see like kind of a theme of if it's like mentioned or the story is already told, then it won't get like retold almost, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, Because largely the Kiyoshi novels dealt with a lot of things that we didn't know about. Like, because I think we were, we were theorizing that, oh, we'll get some, uh, hint about the in- inception of the Kyoshi warriors or oh like because that's largely what we knew about Kyoshi you know um, but I think FCE and um, Michael DiMartino and Brian Konitsko have decided that well we only have a couple of chapters to tell this story let's get as much new story in there as possible but but I'm interested to see it could I could be wrong we could get some more information on that in the next book but um, but I think these books really are kind of all about, you know, cracking the mystery of these characters um, and sort of, you know, legitimizing the legacy of of the Avatar, you know. So I Absolutely. love it. I love it. Yeah. And that wraps up our fandom corner for this week. I was so excited to find this, you know, <laughs> like yeah. I was kind of hoping that there would be something, but, you know, I wasn't expecting anything. And yes, please give us more Donnie Yang Chen discourse, please. And thank you. I crave yeah. it. Not yeah. just for Phantom Corners. I like to read this stuff, too. Not just for <laughs> reading on the podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, let's pivot on over to our recommendations for this week. Andre, what do you recommend? Um, so now with my bevy of free time, now that Pippin is um, open, I've been getting back more into gaming and my friend from college, Lindsay, has been dying to get me to play Red Dead Redemption 2 for years. And for those who do not know, it's basically kind of like open world RPG um, cowboys, essentially. Like, that's what it is. Um, and I always mean, mean to play it. I've like, I had like that PS plus subscription thing where you get like two free games each month. And I've been kind of holding out hope that that game will be one of those games. So I don't have to pay for it. Um, but literally my other friend who like kind of like seconded the red dead redemption thing literally sent me money to buy the game. Um, <laughs> and it does not disappoint. Um, it is like, like pretty much like one of the best games I've ever played um, and I've only clocked like a couple hours on it and it's like truly amazing so if you're out there if you're wanting to get back into gaming and you're looking for something with a great balance of chill horse riding and lassoing people to death uh, this is the game for you <laughs> <laughs> that's that's to my death. pitch for it yeah to death oh yeah. Jesus I don't think I want to know that <laughs> <laughs> It's well, really good. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful game. Good. I heard some good things about it. That's awesome. Well, my recommendation this week uh, is uh, I've talked about Critical Role on the podcast before and, you know, still good stuff. I have definitely fallen out of uh, keeping up with it. And to be honest, I'm just going at it at a very slow pace of whatever I catch up to it. But what's really nice about Critical Role is that it has uh, some books out and some graphic novels and stuff like that coming out about, you know, 
the different characters that kind of allows me to still kind of participate in fandom a little bit and kind of learn mm-hmm. more about the characters' backstories and stuff. So that's really fun. So my recommendation this week is the Mighty Nine Origin Comics, Jester and Caleb. So uh, it seems that these origin comics are exactly what they say they are. It's just their backstories, uh, kind of what led them to this their respective journeys that they're going on in the campaign. Uh, Mighty Nine is the camp second campaign Critical Role has done. And, you know, uh, I'm really excited because there's going to be another one coming out later this week that I'm excited to read. Or should I say this week is in, it will be out by the time this episode comes out, I should say. So maybe yeah. next week I'll recommend that comic book. It's Yasha. Uh, and yeah, I mean, each character's backstory is obviously very different. Some not quite as tragic as others. Uh, Caleb's is a little bit dark. It's just, just a heads up. Uh, so... <laughs> But I definitely recommend it. They're very quick reads. And, you know, if you've been interested in Critical Role and kind of wanted to get into it, but not really sure where to start, I don't think it's too bad of a place to start to read the the different character origin stories in these comics. Love that. Love that. Yeah. Well, if you would like to stay up to date on what's next at the Avatar Hour, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the Avatar Hour Podcast and on Twitter at Avatar Hour. We're also on TikTok at the Avatar Hour Pod. And like I always say in every episode, we always look for new fandom corner entries. So if you've got any good ones, whether it's memes, theories, fan art, we can talk about fan art. I love fan art. Uh, you know, anything involving fandom stuff, send it our way through the DMs or you can email us at the Avatar Hour Podcast at gmail.com. If it doesn't make fandom corner, there's a chance it could end up on a Messenger Hawk mailbag episode in the future. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And if you want some more Avatar Hour in your life, then please consider signing up for our Patreon. For as little as $1 a month or up to $5 a month, you can access our show notes, ad-free editions of our episodes, Zoom recordings, life updates, and much, much more. If you sign up for a $5 Air Acolyte level, you also gain access to our flagship benefit, the Avatar After Hour, as well as early release episodes with no ads. Um, so if you're interested in signing up for any of those perks, visit patreon.com slash the Avatar Hour podcast. Um, but that's it for us today. We will see you guys next week with the next four chapters of the Donnie Ying Chin. But until then, my name's Andre. And I'm Kayla. Bye, everyone. Bye, everyone. Bye.